all begins right there, doesn't it? On this hangs all the law of the prophets, if we love the Lord. And I appreciate that, that testimony and song, and appreciate the challenges already this evening, and appreciate your incredible hospitality. It's been a blessing. Uh, what a joy it's been to be here at Crossroads this week, and I appreciate your faithfulness even being here this evening. I'd like to ask, if you would, please, to turn to Exodus chapter 3. While you're turning to Exodus chapter 3, let me remind you that we do have some things back there on the table that can be a help. Many of you said that uh, last night and uh, the challenge of partnering with missionaries was a help to you. There are a couple of brochures back there on the table holding the ropes and how to pray for your missionaries, if that can be a help to you. Of course, uh, much of what I shared last night is in the book uh, that uh, we published back there, Missionary Partnership. And if that can be a help to you, I encourage you to uh, get one of those as well as um, our CD. Uh, our family CD is back there as well. If that can be a blessing, uh, we would love to sell uh, those and uh, hope that that can be a blessing to you. And of course, being here for Baptist World Mission, we would love to answer questions and encourage anybody who may have questions about missions and serving the Lord around the corner and around the world, all right, uh, uh, that theme that we're looking at this evening. Well, this evening in Exodus chapter 3, um, I love this passage because I see myself in this so vividly, the reflection of Moses as he talks in this conversation over these few chapters with the Lord. We're just going to look at the ones here in chapter 3 and maybe part into chapter 4, but uh, this conversation is really amazing. If you're there in Exodus chapter 3, please stand with me. I'm going to read the first four verses, and uh, maybe we'll look at verse 10, and then we'll pray, and then we'll dig into this passage this evening. Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and said, Moses... Moses, and he said, here am I. Look at verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses is one of those examples of an Old Testament missionary. He was called and sent by God to deliver God's message to the most powerful man in the world, the king of, of Egypt. And uh, Moses had some feelings like uh, maybe some of us in this room do this evening about going to the uttermost part of the earth. And so let's look at this man that God called to be a missionary, a sent one, and uh, see this conversation. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would bless our time together this evening. Thank you so much for all those who have worked so hard today and maybe studied all day and, and uh, have taken this time and put it aside to gather together for this missions conference, I pray, God, that you would meet with us in a special way this evening, that your word would impact us and change us and conform us to the Lord Jesus Christ. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
So we see the clear call of God. God comes to Moses in, in a rather unique way, all right? But God speaks to Moses through this burning bush that will not be burnt. I, I, I don't know uh, how many bushes were out there on the backside of the desert. I don't know if it had green leaves or what it, what it might have looked like, but it was not getting burned up in this fire. And so Moses comes aside and God speaks to Moses out of this burning bush. He has God's word presented to him. He's confronted with God's word. We've been confronted with God's word in this conference this week. We've been challenged with the command, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature around the corner and around the world. This church has the responsibility of reaching the world. That's a big task, but we have a big God. And this big God comes to Moses and he says, Hey, shepherd, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I have a message for you to deliver. I am going to deliver my people out of Egypt. Well, Moses begins. He begins with some excuses. There's a whole series of excuses. Uh, I know I gave some of these excuses and have given some of these excuses to God along the way. And maybe you'll recognize some of your excuses in this conversation as well. Look with me at verse 10 again. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11, and Moses said unto God. Now picture this, all right? The bush is on fire. God's voice is speaking out. He told Moses, remove his sandals. He's on holy ground. Moses is prostrate on the ground. He's not even looking at God anymore. He's, he's just completely down before the presence of God. And yet he's got enough will left to inform God of some things he doesn't think that God actually knows, all right? Now, now God, look at this, verse 11, he says, God, who am I? that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? That, that seems like a legitimate question. Again, maybe you've said that to God. God says to you, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And you say, uh, but God, who am I? Who am I? I'm unqualified. That's basically what Moses is saying here, I'm unqualified, God. I'm unqualified to do this. I remember one day I was in a Christian school and in, in the gymnasium where they had the chapel or the assembly that day. As I was leaving, there was a poster above the door and it said, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That's what God was doing here with Moses. God did not select Moses because he was such a great leader and a powerful speaker. He was a shepherd on the backside of the desert. I mean, what a picture. And God came to him. And God said, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to deliver my message. And Moses said, who am I? Who am I? John 15, 5, Jesus says to his disciples, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. It's not our fruit. It's not our message. It's God's 
message. It's God's word. It's God's mission. And that is not a metaphor. I know we, we read that verse and we say, yes, we can do nothing eternal without God or we can do nothing spiritual without God. No, you can do nothing without God. That's what it says. Without me, you can do nothing. You can't even breathe without God. Your heart doesn't beat without God. You don't live without God. You do nothing without him. And when God says go, we say yes, sir. Moses said, who am I? And maybe we've said that as well. In Romans 15, 19, thou mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round unto Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul was a missionary, and Paul recognized that it was the power of God, not the power of Paul, that took him around the world with the gospel. We need to recognize that as well. Again, these are the same excuses that I gave to God. When God began to burden my heart to surrender to preach, I said, God, who am I? I told you the other night. I said, God, look at my brother. I mean, he's the one. I mean, he, he's the one that's gifted to do this kind of thing. And I wrestled with God. I, I remember when uh, Beck and I met in college, and I, 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 God had worked in my heart. And, and every time I would have, preach in college or at any time, I always loved pulpits like this that you can't see through because when my legs and knees would shake and knock, nobody could see them. When I'd stand up there, and my, and my wife, she kind of had her doubts, you know. She met me in college, and she'd heard me preach a few times, and she's like, really? Were you really that shy? Until we went on deputation, and we were in this church in Illinois, and there was a friend of ours there, a friend of mine. I grew up with him, uh, Brother Jeff. We used to play basketball together growing up through teens, and, and he was the only guy in that church that knew me. Even the pastor didn't know me, and so he told Brother Jeff, he says, since you know Brother Ben, why don't you introduce him tonight when he comes up to speak. He said, no problem. So Brother Jeff gets up there and he said, I'm so glad that Brother Ben is here and brought his wife. I haven't seen Ben in years. Uh, we used to play basketball together and he described all the, the ways we knew each other as teenagers. And then this is how he introduced me at the very end. He said, and I am so looking forward to Brother Ben speaking tonight because I cannot believe God called him to be a preacher. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. And my wife looked over at me after. She goes, you really were that shy. I was like, I've been telling you, all right? This, this is God. God does not call people who are qualified. He qualifies and empowers and fills those who will surrender and say, God, yes, sir. I don't understand how you can use me. Who am I? The answer is in the next verse. Look at verse 12. It says, and he said, this is God's response to Moses, certainly I will be with thee. Whew, what an answer. Yes, I understand, Moses. You can't do this on your own, but I will be with you. What a promise. What a reminder. Well, apparently that wasn't good enough for Moses because the conversation continues. As we continue on in this text, even though God says he would be with him, look at verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Moses gives another excuse. What shall I say? He didn't feel educated enough. He didn't feel qualified and he didn't feel educated, that he had all the answers. Have you ever given that excuse to God? 
God lays somebody on your heart and you say, but, but God, what if they ask me some question and I don't know the answer? And so we put that prompting aside because what if I might not have all the answers? Have you given that excuse to God before? You know, none of us has all the answers. I don't know how many times in Cameroon people have come to me and asked questions, you know, and I'll think about that for a second and I'll say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that, but I know where to find the answer. Why don't we do some research together and dig into the Word of God and find the answer to that question? You know what, people appreciate that a whole lot more than somebody saying, well, I know all the answers, come and bring, no, that, that, that's not realistic. It's a lie from the devil to think that we can begin witnessing when we have all the answers. We're never going to have all the answers. We do know where the answers can be found, though. And in humility and in obedience and by faith, God wants us to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what he's commanded us to do. What shall I say? Well, look at the answer again. God's answer. Whew, this is profound. Verse four, uh, end of verse 13, it says, what, it, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Verse 14, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. That's what you tell them. The I am that I am hath sent me unto you. You don't have to know all the answers. You memorize John 3.16, which you probably already have, and you know what? You can share a lot in John 3.16. The whole gospel right there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then to take a little time and be a witness. Just like we talked about uh, yesterday, about being a witness. All of us are expected and commanded to be witnesses. What is a witness? A witness is somebody who tells what they have seen. Tells what God's done in their life. You can do that. You might not have all the answers. You know what? But the I am that I am is with you. And you can share the testimony of what the I am has done for you and what he's done in your life. Well, two excuses already. God, I'm unqualified. God, I'm uneducated. I don't have all the answers. God continues. By this time, God's getting a little angry with Moses. We see that here, okay? Pick up in chapter 4, if you would. Uh, this chapter 3 continues. Moses is arguing with God all the way up into chapter 4. Verse 1, and Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. They're not going to believe me. They are unbelieving people, and they're not going to believe me. Once again, let me remind you, it's not your message. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, it's called the gospel of God. The power of God. Faith in God, Romans 1.16 and Romans 10.17. We preach the word of God. It's not your message. It's not your gospel. 
God wants you to communicate it. God wants you to preach it. God wants you to be a witness. But it's not your message. Just be faithful in preaching. You remember over in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, we have the record of God calling Isaiah to go and preach. And uh, when God tells Isaiah to go there in Isaiah chapter 6, it's not a very pretty picture that God paints. You remember that? He says, go and tell this people whose ears are heavy and their heart is fat and they're not going to listen and uh, basically they're blinded and, and they're, they're, they're not going to listen to the message. And Isaiah asked a question that all of us would ask, right? He said, uh, Lord, how long? <laughs> how long do you want me to preach to people who aren't going to listen to my message? In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 11 and 12, God says to Isaiah, then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted and without inhabitants, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. How long do we go? Till nobody's left. That's how long we go. Again, the result, the fruit, that's not our responsibility. That's God. Our responsibility is to obediently go out and proclaim the truth around the corner and around the world. Are we doing that? Or are we making excuses? Just keep faithfully telling the truth. When we were in Cameroon, shortly after we moved there, we, we found this wonderful house with quite a bit of land around it. Uh, we weren't really into farming, but there were some farms around there. And, but we were interested in the house, and I can't say it was a really nice house, but it was a big house. Um, the last people that had lived in there had not kept it up at all. The, the roof and ceiling was falling in from leaks, and, and there was a storeroom right next to the kitchen where apparently they had kept the pigs and chickens in the house and uh, so you can kind of imagine the smells and the sights and everything in there. But it was big, and we wanted to have company come visit us in Cameroon. And so we said, all right, Lord, if you'll provide this, we'll fix it up. This will be great. And so we did, and we got the house ready. And then we discovered uh, our neighbors. Well, the house is situated there right on the boundary. In fact, right next to the house, there's this big marker, a big stone marker that divides Bombili and Bambui, the two villages that were right next to each other. And so, um, literally, our house was divided between these two villages. And so, sometimes people would ask us, now, do you live in Bambili or Bambui? And, and we would say, well, at night, uh, my wife and I sleep in Bambui, and our children sleep in Bambili, all right? The, the two different villages, because that's how divided the house was. We were right there. Well, when the man built that house and bought that land, he had to buy part of the land from the chief of Bambili, and he had to buy the other part of the land from the chief of Bambui. But the family that lived on the Bambui side, they did not give the chief permission. I mean, the chief does whatever he wants to do. And so there were some children in the family. Now, the father, he was, you know, he understood tradition. The chief owns all the land in the village. He can do whatever he wants with it. Um, you're at his graces. And so he didn't argue. But the kids... They're kind of growing up the next generation, and they were like, hey, this land has been in our family as long as we can remember, and the chief just sold off this piece of the land. They weren't, they weren't real happy about that. And so here we are. We move into this house, and we discover that there's some history. This guy, had, uh, one of the sons who 
figured that that was still his land. He got into a financial situation, and so he marked off a piece of that land inside the land certificate of this lady's house that we rented from, and he sold that piece of land. And then those people realized that he didn't really have a land title. They had wasted their money. They got duped, and so they didn't come back. They couldn't build their house there, and it was very disappointing. And so uh, this guy, he a few years went by. He got in a financial situation again. He marked off the land, and he sold the same piece of land again a second time. And so then we came in there after the second duping, and uh, I'm in the house one day, and we're, we're settled in there by now, and all of a sudden I hear some voices outside where, where that farm was, and so I went out to see what was going on, and I see these markers in the yard, you know, and, and I'm thinking, oh, no, this guy's trying to sell the land again, you know. So I go out there, and I'm trying to be nice, and, and I'm doing a lot of smiling, and I'm like, hey, I live in this house up here. I don't own it. I don't own any of this land around here, but I rent from the lady, and I think you might want to check with her on how far her boundary goes because I think she thinks she owns this part of the, uh, the property here. And then those people realized right away this guy was trying to dupe them, and they immediately uh, went away. And Mr. Francis, my neighbor, got up in my face, and he was so angry. He said, Pastor, this is none of your business. If I had a spear right now, I would kill you right where you stand. Whew. Well, I'm thankful that conversation came to a conclusion without any violence, kind of backed up and went back to the house. And as you can imagine, uh, things were a little frosty with our neighbor there, you know, and we'd see him, we'd try and wave, and he would scowl at us, and uh, time would go on. Well, his father, the one I was telling you about, his name was uh, Pa Mbako, uh, was his name that he went by. And uh, as I'm trying to learn the pidgin language, he doesn't speak English, I don't speak pidgin, I'm trying to study my books and read, you know, learn this language from books, which is not a good way to learn language, uh, it can help, and it kind of gave me a foundation, and so I loved going to Pa Mbako's house and just sit with him hours upon hours as he would be working and doing whatever he's doing, and, and I could learn pigeon while talking to him about whatever, and it was wonderful. He eventually started coming to our church there, and one day on an Easter Sunday, Pa Mbako trusted Christ as his Savior, and he started coming to church from time to time, and and then he started having some health problems, and he was faithful as he could. One day, Pa Mbako passed away. Now, this was about probably 10 years or more after that incident in the farm beside our house. And I had not had a conversation with Mr. Francis since that time. But you know what? At the funeral, I was able to preach in pidgin the language that his father taught me to speak, and Francis was there in that funeral. Now, I was thankful, you know, he didn't bring up any past conversations or anything. We left there. That was a Saturday. Sunday at Bible Baptist Church, I'm standing up there pre preaching. And all of a sudden, I couldn't believe it, Mr. Francis came in the back door and sat in the back bench of the church. And I saw him, and we preached, and we left. We had to go to another church. We came back from that uh, service and Becca was preparing lunch as she did now. I said, I've got to go see our neighbor, Francis. I don't know what's going on, but God is definitely doing something in his heart. And while it's fresh, I want to go see him. So I went down to his house right below our house, and I went to visit Francis. And after all of those years, I sat down with him and finally had an actual conversation with my neighbor. 
He told me that when he heard the gospel at his father's funeral, he came under conviction. He heard the gospel again when he came that morning. And so I was able to just quickly go through the gospel one more time. And Mr. Francis, who just a stone's throw from that very place in his house had threatened my life all those years earlier, bowed his head and trusted in Jesus Christ as his Savior. How long? How long? Have you ever felt like that? Brother Ben, I've been going soul winning for years. I don't see anybody making decisions. Just keep going. God said keep going. Until there's nobody left, just keep going with the message. That's what God says here to to Moses. But God, they won't believe. They're not going to believe that God sent this shepherd to speak on behalf of the I am. That They're not going to believe. That's not your responsibility. God said go. God said keep going. Let's keep going with the gospel. Keep sharing with that neighbor. Keep sharing with that loved one. I think of my own, my own grandmother. My own grandmother, when, when as far back as I can remember, um, I mean, three, four years old, every night when we would pray um, before going to bed, we would pray for my grandma to be saved. And uh, every Wednesday, we'd go to church. My, my grandma lived in Maine, and we lived in Indiana. And every, every time we would go to church, Wednesday night, my dad would raise his hand in prayer meeting, pray for my mom to be saved. One day, after all those years, my grandma came to visit us in Indiana. And I thought to myself, this is probably going to be the first time my dad doesn't ask me. Whoa, there goes his hand. She's sitting right next to him. He raises his hand, and Wednesday night, pray for my mom. She needs to be saved. She's sitting right next to him. We prayed for my Nana. I remember even after we got, we got married, talking to my Nana over the phone, begging her in tears, Nana, you've got to repent and believe in the Lord. You, son, don't worry about me. I used to teach Sunday school before you were even born. I'll be okay. I'm good enough. And in her, in her late 70s, or in her 70s, my dad one last time said, Mom, can I show you something? I just got this flip chart thing and It talks about the gospel, and I'd love to show it with you. And he took my Nana in his office there in in our home in Indiana, and in her 70s, he took that flip chart and went through the gospel. And my Nana came out of that office with a big smile on her face. She's 98 years old now. She loves the Lord. She's believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. She reads her Bible every day. Incredible. How did that happen? Faithfully preaching, faithfully teaching, faithfully sharing the good news of the gospel. Be faithful in that. But they're not going to believe. Just keep teaching anyway. They've never believed in the past. Just keep sharing it. Moses said they're not going to believe. God said go and tell them anyway. Look at verse 10. I need to wrap up tonight. Look at verse 10. Exodus chapter 4. Down in verse 10. The excuses are still coming. And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent. Neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech. And of a slow tongue. Have you ever felt that way? God, I'm not eloquent. I'm not good with languages. I could never be a missionary. If God calls you and God's commanded you, you better go. He will enable you. Look at God's response in verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord Wow. 
God, I'm not eloquent. I don't think I can learn a new language. That's one of the biggest excuses in missions. I don't, I don't think I can learn a new language. You know what? When the I am that I am is with you and says go and says I will be with you and I made your mouth and I can give you the words to say that you need to say. God is able. We just need to quit making the excuses. Some time ago I was watching a, a video online. It was a lady speaking at a ladies conference and I just listened to a little bit of it and she was kind of stumbling around and stammering around and I thought to myself, goodness, that, that would not do well in a, you know, in a teaching speech or preaching class. There's no outline. It sounds like she's just rambling and she was emotional at times. And, and then you know what? The end of the video came and there was a tremendous response to her lesson among those ladies. I thought to myself, you know what? It's not the speaker and it's not the stammering tongue and it's not the words. She was communicating God's word and women were touched and there was revival in that meeting. Not because she was so eloquent, but because God said, I want you to share something. And instead of giving excuses, she said, yes, Lord. And God used her and God used that message. I hope I never forget that. Maybe Moses did stammer. Maybe Moses wasn't very eloquent. But you know what? God made his mouth and God told him to go and share. And even though we don't really come to a good conclusion here, in fact, if we go up to verse 13, we're still seeing excuses. Uh, look at verse 12. Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Verse 13. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him who thou wilt send. Even after all this, Moses is begging God, God, please just send somebody else. Please, I, I've given you all my good excuses. <laughs> you just eliminated all of them. God, basically what I'm saying is, please send somebody else. I wish there was a good ending here in this chapter, a nice neat ending. Now, hopefully you know the rest of the story of Moses, all right? Moses finally does yield to God. And Moses, with his brother Aaron, he finally does go to King Pharaoh and, and, and God uses Aaron's mouth there for a little while. And then finally, I think Moses gets fully yielded and then we don't see much of Aaron. And God uses Moses and God fills Moses with his power and he uses that symbol, the rod, and so forth. And we don't have time to get into all of that. But you know the rest of the story. Finally, Moses did surrender. Moses did obey. And God took this man who considered himself unqualified and uneducated and, and somebody that didn't speak very well and all these excuses that Moses brought out and God used him in spite of himself. And maybe there's someone here this evening and in this missions conference, you've been getting nervous. And God's been burdening your heart. And you know God wants you to go somewhere where the gospel has not yet been preached and you're struggling in your spirit. Let me tell you something. It's not the devil putting that burden on your heart. God said, God commanded, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let me lovingly challenge you tonight. Stop making excuses. 
Say yes, sir. Say yes to the I am that I am. Say yes to the one who said, I will be with you. And I will be with your mouth. And I will give you the words to say, but you need to obey and go. Will you make that decision tonight? Will you obey in faith and obedience and trust the Lord to go with you around the corner and around the world? Let's all stand together. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to close in prayer in a moment. But maybe there's someone here this evening, and I'd like to give you a moment to respond. Maybe you know God is calling you to be a missionary. It's that burden that Joanna Smith talked about earlier. That that burden that's weighing heavy on your heart and you can't get rid of it. And you know it's not the devil putting that burden there. You know it's the I am that I am. And he wants you to be a missionary on some foreign land with the gospel. Stop making excuses tonight. During this invitation, as Brother Josh comes with the song, would you come forward and deal with that with God? Would you surrender to God? Lord, I thank you so much for this service this evening. I thank you for the testimony of Moses, a man that we think of as a great man of God, but we've seen tonight he was a man made out of the same stuff and the same excuses that we're made out of. God, would you have your will and way in our lives tonight? In Jesus' name.